Um, well, thank you for having me. Um, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to adults. Um, I am a second grade school teacher, so I spend each and every day with 18 to 20 little seven-year-olds, and I get very thought-provoking uh, conversation like the little girl that came to me this morning um, before school started, and she came up to my desk, and she said, Mr. Geppert, I have scratches on my legs. And I said, okay, did you get them from the mosquito bites that you told me about yesterday? And she said, no. And I said, why do you have scratches? I don't know. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> really appreciate it. I'm going to gym class now. So that's the kind of conversation that I have in the morning. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, if you open your Bibles up with me, um, if you have them with you, um, or the phone app, or your notes right here. It's on the notes. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 2. Uh, we're going to read all the way to 15. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me, on account of me, excuse me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one to whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you will anoint it, that you would um, open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to take a little different turn than I did last time. Last, the last time I was here, I really kind of wanted to focus on doctrine, and this is uh, this is meant to be a message of encouragement. So if you're kind of near the end going, wait, it's, wait for it. It's supposed to be encouraging. So um, that's, that's the intent here. Um, Pastor talked about on Sunday uh, that he still gets a little surprised whenever the weather changes so quickly in Michigan. And since we're from Michigan, we all know what happens when you start to get that little chill in the air? It tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you winter's coming. It tells you winter's on its way. And typically, I, I'm not always uh, looking so eagerly to it in September, but here it is. It's coming. And I don't know about you, but my thoughts are, I'm not ready. So, um, I mean, uh, I got yard work to do. And uh, Mother Nature had a big storm and left me a present in my backyard. I got a great big tree branch I'm, I got to cut up. 
And of course, the chainsaw that I had, uh, I sort of messed it up a little bit, but that's okay because it was the neighbor's chainsaw. So, um, so I got that to do. Um, I had a, uh, a flower box on my uh, windowsill that decided to fall off. I have the regular yard work that I have to do. I got to pull an air conditioning unit out. I got to make sure that my car is going to run during the um, winter. Uh, I have to have my furnace checked up. And I don't know if you ever remember a commercial that they had where a guy was kind of going through the things in his house, the home repair things, and uh, he went to look at his, his water was leaking, and he said, yeah, I got to do something about that. And then his lights were flickering, and he says, yeah, I got to go do something about that. And then his furnace isn't working. He says, I got to go do something about that. And then the next scene, he's on a beach in Florida, and he says, I'm so glad that I did something about that. And that's kind of where I'm looking forward to with winter. Um, but I want to go a little bit here um, and talk about the signs of the times that Jesus is coming. We know that Jesus is coming. We see the signs. And uh, I want to just, you know, there's a scripture here that says, because of the, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go, grow cold. And I kind of want to take some time tonight to deal with this issue of feeling like maybe you're not ready. I, did anybody grow up with the rapture um, concerns, thief in the night, you know, where, you know, they, they woke up and the husband's gone and the ladies are gone, everybody in the rapture's gone, and then you run outside and go, Mom, are you still here? You know, a little bit of the fear of the rapture. And, you know, so maybe I'm the only one in here at times uh, who struggles a little bit with doubt. And so the title of my sermon, I just have, what should, uh, what should we expect? What do we expect? And why do we struggle with doubt? And I really feel comforted here because th this verse brings to our attention somebody who had doubts. He was John the Baptist. So if John the Baptist can doubt Jesus, and then it's okay for me too then, right? And, uh, you know, this is what John says. He says to his disciples, he says, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Whoa. What is going through John's mind to say that? Because he's Jesus' cousin. You know, he is the voice crying out in the wilderness, He's calling the Pharisees, you broods of vipers, you know. So this is not a cowardly man. This is not somebody who has um, uh, very little faith. He's, put it this way, he's not somebody like me. He's, he's a champion of the faith, right? And he sends this message to Jesus, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Why does he say that? Well, I think that John's in prison, and he's surveying his life. When I graduated from Bible college in 1989 with a degree in pastoral studies and a call to the ministry, I did not expect to be talking with a seven-year-old about her scratches on her legs. <laughs> that was not the mission that I felt that God had given me. Um, and so sometimes uh, we can go through some disappointment maybe, um, I'm going to use that word because uh, I bought a book in the bookstore 
that had a money-back guarantee. It was called Disappointment with God by uh, Philip Yancey. And if you want to read it, it's, it's a good read. Um, it deals with this feeling of um, being disappointed with God, that things don't work out the way that, should I say, you expect them to. And this is kind of the issue. Here, John is in prison, and he didn't really expect that to be his reward for being the voice crying out in the wilderness. I'm sure prison hasn't changed that much. I don't think it was a pleasant experience. But his eyes are fixed not on his mission, not on who Jesus is, but on where he is and what he's dealing with and what he's suffering through. And God, why are you not listening to me? There was another book in the 70s, If God Loves Me, Why Can't I Get My Locker Open? Did anybody read that book? No? That was a staple of youth ministry at the time. Um, Philip Yancey wrote another book, Where Is God When It Hurts? Do you see a theme? There's a theme. Because I don't think that I'm the only one that struggles through, through moments of saying, God, you know, I would have done it differently. Take you to Matthew chapter 14. And this is after the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Jesus sends his disciples ahead as they go out onto the Sea of Galilee. And we read that um, there's a little bit of a storm going on, and the disciples, um, being seasoned fishermen, uh, are a little terrified of the storm. And they see Jesus walking on the water, and instead of being comforted, they're terrified by Jesus walking on the water. And, you know, Jesus calls out to them, don't be afraid. And they say, it is the Lord. And uh, Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water too. You know, like, hey, Lord, can I play? Can I walk on the water with you? And he goes out there, and he's walking on the water. And he looks around at the waves crashing at him. He looks at the water that he's walking on, and he says, I can't walk on water. Glove, 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 he goes down, right? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he was looking at his situation. He was looking at his circumstances. Now, I'm 57 years old now, so I think I have a little bit of room to speak. Um, sometimes in life, your situations, your circumstances aren't the greatest, and if you tend to look upon them, you can get discouraged and disheartened really fast. Uh, I still remember when my mother was diagnosed, um, she had a disease called PSP. And what happened, it, I'll tell you a little bit about it. What happened is she was falling backwards. And about the fourth or fifth time she fell down the stairs, my mother said, maybe I'll go to the doctor. <laughs> so we went to the doctor, and um, basically they diagnosed her with this, this disease called uh, uh, yeah, pseudo supernuclear palsy, something like that. PSP, progressive. Thank you. So you're aware of that. At the time, she was one of a hundred people that get that. And she's joking, going, "I should have bought, I should have bought a lottery ticket then, because I'm so lucky." And I remember that my mother was the most thing she was most upset about was not driving anymore. And it was like. That's a heavy blow. We all kind of took that hard. And basically, they gave her about five years. 
for this disease to progress. progress. And then when my uh, brother, uh, fast forward to 2020, was diagnosed with cancer, um, they gave him about three years. And it was almost to the date that he passed away. Um, and then shortly after that, my father died in 2021, which was a pretty rough year. And then my best friend died uh, that summer. And it was like, you know, life is hard. And you look at these, ex these experiences. His wife, he had, got, he had uh, recently got married. Um, I think they were celebrating their fifth year. And they were just perfect for each other. And she was a, uh, uh, a widow previously. And it's like, you know, how much can a person take? God, I would have done it differently. You know, it's hard. But that's what happens when you take your eyes off of your situations, off of, off of the Lord, and start looking at your situations. Peter said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. It's important to note there that even though Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and was looking at his circumstances and looking at his situation and looking at the difficulty and looking at the hardship, Jesus was still there. He was as close as the mention of his name. That even though John was in prison, Jesus was still there, sent a message of encouragement back to him. Talked a little about the lions. Uh, it's in my notes, so I'm going to share it. Okay? Just so you know. We were winning that whole game. Okay? We dominated that whole game. And a friend of mine who was a huge Minnesota Vikings fan, because I went to school in Minnesota, said we should have won that game. So if he said it, then it's true. <laughs> they were up by three points with less than two minutes to go in the game. And the coach decides to kick a 54-yard field goal. The kicker, his longest, was 53. They'd been going for it on fourth down the whole game, but this time he decides to kick it. And, of course, we had no defense, and they went down in three plays and scored a touchdown and won the game. And I've been there before, so I'm just kind of doing a little group therapy here. <laughs> so, but I'm still a believer I still think the Lions have a good team. I still think they're going to win more than six games, regardless of what people say. Uh, and I'm right now putting the wheels back on my bandwagon. I'm cooking some <laughs> cornbread, and I'm making some Kool-Aid, and I'm ready to go by Sunday. <laughs> the point here is that God is not afraid of your doubt. That's the really the big issue here. God's not afraid of your doubt. Do you know why? Because he's God. He knows what your weaknesses are before you discover them. He knows the areas that you're going to struggle in before they come upon you. He knows what you can, um, what you can take. And unlike the Lions defense, who doesn't know when they're going to bend or they're going to break, he knows when you're going to bend and when you're going to break. And when you get to that point of breaking, he's going to bring somebody alongside with that encouragement word, encouraging word or to pray with you or to come alongside you just at those moments. The way that we um, deal with doubt is we overcome doubt with faith. Don't be afraid of your doubt. God is not afraid of your doubt. Don't you be afraid of it. Own it. Take it. 
admit it and bring it to the Lord and give it to him and trust him. I'm looking for my second point. There we go. First uh, Peter 1, 7 and 9. Trials come to test our faith. Uh, Peter calls it a refiner's fire. Like taking gold and burning out all the impurities and making it pure gold. So those trials come with God's permission to make us a stronger Christian so that we can encourage others as well. Uh, there may be times when people struggle the same way that you are struggling. James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, 3, talks about the same thing. Trials come to test our faith. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is important. God's, ways, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. And so when we want to give God advice on how we would do something, it's, we need to remember, God doesn't think the same way that we do. God sees everything. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's, he's um, all-powerful. He understands what it is that we are facing before we ever say anything to him. So I want to encourage you. Uh, don't be afraid of your doubts. Take them to the Lord. Number two, faith comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus. How many times does the Bible tell us, how many times does Paul tell us, fix our eyes on Jesus? He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And since I'm an elementary school teacher, I'm going to say, do you know what an author is, boys and girls? <laughs> the author is the person who writes the story. He's written your story. Okay? Do you know that all stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end? And he is aware of it all. You may not be, but he knows. He knows. He knows what the problem is, the conflict that's driving your story. Do a little teaching here. And he also understands the solution. See, characters don't always see the solution in the story. But we as the readers see it. God sees it. He knows because he put it in there. And maybe you just need more drama in your life. I don't, I don't know. John 20, verse 27 is the verse that I, I set with this. And it's a, it's a good verse. Um, I'm sorry, let me give you uh, the, the text in verse 2. Uh, verse, excuse me, verse 4, sorry. I'm all rattled, I'm sorry. Verse 4. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. And then he lists off, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Oh. Jesus gives to John, while John is in prison, while John is in the dark, while John is suffering, while John is dealing with his questions and his what could have been's and what should have been's and is Jesus the Messiah or should I look for somebody else? Did I make a big mistake? While he's dealing with all those things in prison, Jesus sends him evidence. God's not afraid. 
Because God is God. Well, but you don't understand. I prayed for five years for my mother to be healed. And she wasn't. Wasn't she? She's in the presence of the Lord today. I don't think that she's thinking too much about her pain and suffering down here because she has been opened into the door of glory. Same thing with my brother. My brother, we went through very uh, different times where he had challenging surgeries. And there were um, sometimes when the doctor was amazed at how he responded to the surgery. But my brother gave his life to Jesus near the end. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so many times we fix our eyes on this world, this um, life, and we want our life to be just a pleasant life, to be happy-go-lucky like a Disney movie. And Jesus never promised us that. Go back and look what he promised us. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But then he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. See, and one of the things that um, goes with this, this story, um, there's an awesome book out. And if you haven't discovered this author, uh, go to a used bookstore or go to thrift books. Um, his name is Gene Edwards. The book's about that big. It's, an, uh, it's, a, it's a quick read. It's called A Prisoner in the Third Cell. And uh, the author brings out this point where he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Um, and he focuses on the verse of uh, um, basically those who have leprosy are cleansed, but they're not all cleansed. Some are healed, but they're not all healed. And the idea is that Jesus didn't come here to heal the lame. Jesus came here to proclaim the gospel and to die for our sins and to redeem us, bring us back in relationship with God. He came for the cross. And sometimes we as Christians kind of get that backwards, don't we? We so much want to see the miracles. We so much want to see uh, God work uh, miraculously in our life that we discount the miracle that he already did where he changed our lives. I got saved when I was um, 16 years old. Um, and I was raised in the, church, in, in, a, in the Catholic Church. So I had a lot of religion in my background. But I went to a Pentecostal church that believed in miraculous healings. Am I the only one that did this? Where it says, where Jesus said, you know, you will do greater things than I did. And you would touch the water and tell it to split. <laughs> or you'd try to, try to do some miracle. And it never worked out for me that way. I was not Moses or anything like that. Um, because I was so interested in the hoopla at that time that I was missing the power of God in my life and how he took me out of the miry pit and brushed me off and gave me a new heart and, a new, and made me a new creation and forgave me of all my sins. And the, the life that I have now, as opposed to the life that I was headed towards at 16 years old, is night and day different. <laughs> I remember, uh, now I'm kind of rambling. Let me stay, uh, I'll, I'll ramble a little bit more. I went to a Christian concert after I'd become a pastor um, in Carleton, we went to Northridge, 
I love a church you can land an airplane in the sanctuary. <laughs> and I bumped into a girl I went to uh, Stevenson High School with. And she looked at me, and she walked past me. She came back, she looked at me again, and she goes, I just got to ask you. I go, she goes, are you Mike Geppert? And I said, yes. She goes, what are you doing here? And then she went and got her kids. And she brought her kids and she said, this guy, his locker was right next to me. And he's here at a Christian concert. What are you doing here? And I told her I was saved and I was pastor in a church. And she goes, no. She could see the change. See, we discount the miracles that God has already done in our lives. Do not let doubt take that away. Overcome fear with faith. Overcome doubt with faith. Take it to Jesus. Um, our text, our scripture was John chapter 20, verse 27. I was setting that up before I got distracted. And it's where um, Jesus, after the resurrection, goes into the house where the disciples were hiding. Now remember, he went one time, and the disciples were all there except for who? Thomas, right? And they're all trying to tell Thomas, the Lord, he's alive. The Lord's alive. And Thomas is going, no, I saw him die, bud. He said, unless I put my, my fingers in his hand and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus showed up. Almost on, it's, it's, if I was doing it, it would be right on the spot. As soon as he got it out of his mouth, there would be Jesus would be. And you know what Jesus had told him to do? He said, put your fingers in my hand, put your hand in my side, be no longer unbelieving, but believe. And do you know what, Jesus, what Thomas did? He didn't say, hey, let me check out those hands. He fell to his knees, and he worshiped him. And he said, my Lord and my God. Why? Because Jesus brought to him evidence. And there's nothing like evidence to cure a little bit of doubt. There's nothing like being in the presence of Jesus to, get, to cure a little, uh, a little doubt. Faith comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus. So get your eyes off of your problems. Get your eyes off of your situation. Get your eyes on whatever calamity is coming to you. I'm going to tell you a uh, the truth. There's a calamity coming to Florida, right? Hurricane Ian. It's not pretend. But how many know God is bigger than Hurricane Ian? Ian. And I, don't, I know many stories of miraculous things that God has done to turn the storm or to calm the storm. And so we as, as his people need to pray. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to pray as Pastor did for those in Florida that are, that are facing this. Take your eyes off your problems. Take your eyes off your situations and turn them to the Lord. I also want to encourage you that in your faith, if you're struggling with doubt or you're struggling with questions or you're struggling with your expectations of God are not being met, take a walk through the sentimental journey and go back to when you first got saved, when you first met the Lord for the first time and that fire was burning. It's a good thing to do. In Matthew Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter got saved. How did he get saved? 
He was a fisherman. He was struggling. What did Jesus provide? Fish beyond measure, right? He goes, you know, put your boat out a little bit, throw your boat over the side. There's not going to be any fish there. I've been fishing all night. Do it. Fish come in. What did Peter do? He fell on his knees before Jesus said, go away from me. I am a sinful man. And Jesus said, from now on, you'll be what? A fisher of men. And he took that fisherman and he transformed him, didn't he? And he became the leader in the church. He became the leader of the disciples and the leader of the church. And the rock, Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? This is after he sent them out two by two and they came back. And they said, some think that you're Elijah, raised from the dead. Some think that you're uh, Moses or another one of the prophets. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps right up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Why does he say that? Because he had seen with his eyes not only what Jesus was doing, but who Jesus was. And there was something about being in his presence that demons trembled. Faith comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 68. I love this, this verse. This is when he feeds the 5,000, and um, some people are talking to him, and Jesus starts teaching. And he says stuff like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they're all scratching their head going, this isn't what I signed up for. Where's the bread? You know, I don't want to eat him. I don't want to drink his Where are the breads and the fish that we heard so much about? This is a hard teaching. And his disciples started arguing amongst themselves, and the Bible says that some of them stopped following him. They no longer followed him. This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus is going to bring difficult teaching into your life. There's going to be some point in your life where your life and your life choices are going to contradict, they're going to be confronted by the word of God. Because God wants to change you and mold you and make you more in his image. And so what happens when you have that confrontation with the word, you need to change. Because the word of God is not going to. The word of God is a mirror that reflects back to you. And that's one of the things that we need to do to examine our lives. If you're dealing with doubt, come to Jesus and let him examine you and where you're at and the choices that you're making and allow him to change you and mold you and make you more like him. Jesus turns to the disciples, to the 12, because many of his other followers are leaving him. And he turns to the 12 and he says, you're not going to leave too, are you? And Peter steps up and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You hold the words of eternal life. There's nowhere to go. It's like, um, who is that conquistador in uh, uh, Latin America where Cortez, where they get on shore, and in order for them to be true to their mission, he burns their ships. So he burns all their ships in the bay. Where are they going to go? <laughs> Forward, because <laughs> we're not going back. So that's kind of a motivator. There's no place left to go. Peter says, you hold the words of eternal life. We believe 
that you are the one. There is no turning back. Wasn't that a song? I have decided to follow Jesus. In 1983, I got baptized in the morning service. We usually did our baptisms in the evening service, but I had to work. So they already had the water, and I said, here's like the Ethiopian, here's the water, here am I. What's to prevent us from being baptized? And my pastor said, he goes, it's awfully cold. The heater's not turned on. And I said, ah, I can do that. So I go, (laughs) I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. It's 2022. You do the math. I'm a little old. I haven't turned back. I've stumbled. I've tripped. I've bruised my knee. Did a face plant here or there. But I am still following Jesus. Because to whom shall I go? He holds the words of eternal life. He's the one who saved my soul. He's the one who died on the cross to purchase my redemption. He's the one that brought me into relationship with God. He's the one that brought me the guarantee of heaven. He's the one. Third point. Third point is obedience. We are called to obedience in times of doubt and faith. The third point here is uh, Jesus tells um, John, he said, blessed is anyone who does not stumble because of me. Don't let Jesus be your stumbling block. He's going to do things you don't understand. He's going to do things that don't make sense to you. He's going to do some things that you're never going to understand on this side of eternity. Follow him anyway. Trust him anyway. Because he's the author of your book. John chapter 21, verses uh, 21 through 22. Peter had a crisis of faith after the um, resurrection. He didn't know what to think, so he went back to Galilee. He said, I'm going fishing. Jesus specifically told him that he would be a fisher of men, meaning that that life was gone. But that's what was familiar to him. That's what he knew. And so when things happen to him that he doesn't understand, even seeing Jesus rose from the dead and how wonderful that was, it still didn't fit into his preconceived ideas about the Messiah or about who Jesus was or about his role. Was He had no idea. How many of you ever have driven without GPS? You have no idea where you're going because we don't look at maps anymore. You know, my future son-in-law, I ask him, which route did you take from, from Clio? He goes, I don't know. I go where the GPS tells me. <laughs> Close your eyes. But that's kind of how life is. We don't know. And then what happens is God sometimes allows things to happen that rock our world, and we have no choice but to trust him. We're kind of walking in the dark. And didn't he say in Psalms, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Google rod and staff. They're not always so comforting. They're tools that the shepherd used to keep the sheep in line. We are called to obedience. Jesus said to, John, uh, to, to Peter 
Peter denied him three times. Three times, Jesus restores him, says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Um, three times he gets that treatment. And then uh, Peter, which I really identify with him, he looks over at John, you know, because Jesus kind of tells him how he's going to suffer. And you know, Jesus looks over at John and he says, hey, Jesus, what about him? What's going to happen with him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. You do what I told you to do. You feed my sheep. You feed my lambs. You do what you do. You obey your calling. Bear with me. I just lost my note. Um, and a lot of times God asks us to do things that don't make sense. Joshua, at the Battle of Jericho, his army walked around the city um, in silence for seven days. That didn't make any sense. Veggie tales. <laughs> Keep walking, you won't tear down this wall. I'm sorry. Um, Jehoshaphat uh, put the musicians first because the Lord said the battle is his. Gideon thinned out his army. He went with a much smaller crew than he had to start with. Those things don't make sense. But what they do is they don't have to make sense because God is God. Trust him and obey him. Um, you know the story in uh, uh, 1 Samuel with uh, Saul, where Saul was commanded by God to do a certain thing to the, the army, and he didn't follow it completely because he had a better idea. He didn't think it was wise to waste all this, you know, uh, plunder. And uh, Samuel shows up, and Saul says, hey, I've obeyed the Lord's commands. And Samuel says, well, what's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? No, you didn't. You did your own thing. And what does he say to Saul? He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul says, well, I saved them for a sacrifice. No, you did what you wanted to do. You didn't do what God told you to do. And that's why he's rejected you as king. David made lots of mistakes, but David, the Lord, David uh, was after God's heart. He, he loved God. And so God will overcome those mistakes as long as we stay true to him. What does he tell uh, John to do? He says, remember, you are the voice crying out in the wilderness. Understand your mission. Your mission is different than mine. Your mission isn't to understand my mission. Your mission is to make straight the way of the Lord. We are called to obedience. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you are called to do. Focus on your calling. Be strong and courageous during those difficult times. Trust me, other people see it. Other people see when you're suffering through faith. And they don't see you're whining or you're complaining or you're... Uh, I, I like to call it milk toast faith because that's how I feel when I'm going through those periods. They see a mighty warrior for God because they see God's light shining through you. You trust him. Be strong and courageous. Jesus is coming. If you didn't believe it, let me tell you, his coming is closer today than it was yesterday. The signs are all over the place. The chill is in the air. Jesus is coming. Take time to examine your faith. 
Take your doubts, confront them. Overcome them with faith, and then be about your Father's business. We need to work while it is yet day, for the night is coming. In Matthew chapter 24, with that verse that says, um, because of the, the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And how I started was, I don't want my heart to grow cold. I don't want my love to grow cold. And then I'm looking around, and wickedness is increasing all around me. I don't recognize the world. It seems like it's upside down. Maybe I'm the only one. It's like, I never thought I'd be having the conversations that I'm having with seven-year-olds. Never, never thought I'd have it. Not the, the scratched legs one. It's other things that they talk about. Um, but the rest of that verse says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then, in this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Remember, with Jesus, it's the gospel that's important. Yes, healing is in the atonement. Yes, he did do signs and wonders. But the good news of the kingdom is that Jesus came and died for our sins. He rose from dead on the third day. He ascended into heaven, and he's coming once again. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that it is received as it was intended, as it was given, as a word of encouragement. Lord, that uh, you're not afraid of our doubts, so we shouldn't be. We should bring them to you. That we need to nurture our faith and uh, fan the flames of the fire that was birthed within us when we received you uh, at first. As the disciples on the road to Emmaus said, didn't his words burn within us? Um, and Lord, that we would be about our Father's business, that we would be about the purpose that you've given us, um, and that we would do it uh, cheerfully and deliberately. Uh, I pray that you would uh, touch every one of us that were here this evening, that you would take the seed, plant it in our heart, and that you would bring it to fruit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.